Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. I'm joined here today by C. Trent Rosecrans, Reds beat writer, one of the uh, two beat writers for the Cincinnati Inquirer. How are you today, Trent? Great. Uh, I'm glad, glad to get a chance to talk to you because I've really been wanting to pick your brain a little bit about this uh, the podcast that you've done this year. Uh, not the Reds Beat podcast, which is fantastic with you and Zach uh, Buchanan, oh, but thank you. Um, but Great American Dream, and of course uh, there was a special section in the paper, and you can read it online uh, as well uh, about the the Great American Dream and about Shed Long. And uh, for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast, you need to go subscribe to it uh, immediately. How did how did you start thinking about hey let's let's do a podcast? You know, it was funny. I was, um, I was. We were on a road trip. My wife and I were going to see my best friend in Savannah. Well, my daughter was there too, but she wasn't in the front seat. And while she was asleep, we were listening to different podcasts. And um, I think it's, it may have been uh, NPR's Embedded, and they did like an episode on um, the D League. And I was like, and they did like a whole year in thirty minutes, and it was, it was just absolutely fantastic but it left me with so many questions and i've always been a guy who's kept an eye on the minor leagues always been interested in the minor leagues since you know when i was let's see when we lived in virginia i was eight to 12 that age um that was as close to the big leagues we had we had triple a um the tidewater then they were the tidewater tides now they're the norfolk tides and so my dad and i would go to those games quite a bit um and uh but we never got to uh the big leagues games um except for like in summer when we'd go back to visit family in missouri and we'd we'd maybe go to a royals game um so I always kind of grew up watching a little bit of the minor leagues. And so I've always had that interest. And then when I was in college, a friend of mine that I'd played with growing up was in the minors. So I kept an eye on the minors then as well. And when I got to do what I do now, I've always liked, enjoyed keeping an eye on what's going on down there. And you you learn about so many of the ins and outs. And it's not just baseball there's so many other topics and i feel like i I just scratched the surface and what um was written scripts of about fifty thousand words and and produced audio was five and a half hours um and i feel like i just scratched the surface so it was it was just ton it was it was fun it was um and so anyway, we were listening to this, and I'm just like, this is a way to tell so many different stories. And, you know, one of the first ones I thought of, because I've always think is like, what's it like to be an 18-year-old kid from Venezuela who barely speaks English in Billings, Montana? Yeah. <laughs> and that's always been a question right. I've had. Well, you know, um, yeah. just from my perspective, I, I was a big fan of the uh, – am a big fan of the Accused podcast the Inquirer did. So when I oh, – yeah. When I uh, you know, first heard about this project, I thought, oh, that's a perfect subject for sort of a long-form uh, exploration of uh, of this topic. And, and that's what I liked about it. Shed Long, and we'll talk about Shed a little bit. That's sort of the the, cen- the centerpiece, the through line throughout the podcast. But 
what I liked about the podcast as well is that you you dived off into different areas of minor league life that you you know that uh, we don't hear the, the language barrier stuff, uh, the travel. The uh, although we do hear a little bit about the travel you know, when it's over when when the you know when it's time to hang yeah. it up you know it, it just made for a fascinating listen week to week because you weren't just getting hey what what did Shed Long do this month you're you're getting a, a slice of life in the minor leagues which is something that most of us really don't have any uh, concept of what it's like yeah and that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell all these other stories that even the day to day life of somebody going through it can't tell you know shed can sympathize with guys who speak spanish and try to just you know like he talks about how he deals how he dealt with alfredo rodriguez when they were both in, in daytona and how you know, they try to help him and, and do those kind of things but he doesn't know what it's like there um he also doesn't know what it's like when you're told that hey it's over you know those are things you can't and so it was funny i um I had a basic idea and a basic outline, and my first idea was like six episodes, and then we just kept talking. And we're like, you know, I was like, I, I physically can't do it weekly. Um, I just, I just couldn't do it. And they said, well, monthly is probably too spread out. Do we want to do it at the end? And I was like, no, I kind of like following along as the season goes and the unpredictability of it, and and um, you know that kind of thing. And so we settled on um, every other week. Um, and and that was a challenge. And so it was like, well, we're going to do it this amount of time, 12 episodes. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. But it's funny was like the schedule I mapped out, I have this folder with a bunch of post-it notes. Um, I, I mapped it out in like 15 minutes and it didn't change. Um, I really liked some of the ideas I did. I mean, of course, everyone changed a little bit while you're going through and you're writing and reporting. Um, but the basic stories I wanted to tell, uh, I, I, I came, they all came to me pretty quickly and there was a lot of different things that I wanted to get to. Well, there's no doubt that doing this weekly would have been impossible because for those of you that haven't listened, it's, you know, it's, uh, we talk about the scripts and how it's more than 50,000 words, uh, total here, but it's very well produced. It's a, I mean, it's, it's not just like jumping on uh, like we are today and, and talking about the reds a little bit. It's, it's it's an actual show. I mean, it's it's really really well done, and I think everyone's going to love sort of the uh, the arc of the story. Um, how did you? Uh, and I do want to add. I was happy to hear you, we talked about uh, you know how you know when it's over, and I think you spoke with uh, Bo Lanier, who's actually been on our podcast years ago when he was still in the organization. One of our early episodes, Bo Lanier was a guest, a great guy. Um, oh yeah, I mean I've known Bo since I covered him in high school. I talked about that in the episode, yeah. and that was kind of the funny thing, like that one was just one of those things where these things fit together. Um, I covered Bo Lanier when he was at Clark Central High School um, in, you know, the early 2000s. Um, and then he was with the Reds, and I knew him then. I was covered for the Post uh, when he was still in the system. He introduced me to Jay Bruce um, way back in 2007. Um, and, you know he's a guy I knew for that long and I knew it had been about 10 years since he had played. And then Bryson Smith is the other person I talked to and he played last year and this was his first year out. He is also from Athens, Georgia, um, which is where I went to school and I was my um, first real job out of school. Um, so I had, I don't know. I just loved the um, 10 years between them. They kind of knew each other. Like, enough to say hi if they saw each other, but they don't, like, hang out. There's a pretty big age difference. Uh, But they also have that connected bond, and I I really enjoyed that, and I thought it was pretty fun. 
Yeah, you know, uh, on this podcast uh, and through Red Lake Nation, we got to know a guy named Matt Clinker uh, a while back, mm-hmm. and and that yeah, just that story of when did he decide to hang it up? I and mean, this guy, he made it to AAA, you know, uh, had some uh, success. You know, how do you make that decision? And so uh, sometimes it's made for you, obviously, but uh, but I encourage everyone to listen to, to certainly well to the whole the whole run. But that's that was a good episode. I also liked how you you peppered in. Um, Quotes from you know guys Joey Votto, Brian Price, their uh, their memories of being in the minor leagues, and it's uh, those two especially like to talk about the camaraderie of it. But uh, I don't know, it just gave a lot of flavor to uh, to the Shed Long story. Well, and I mean that's also a practical thing. I mean, you can say, oh, I talked to Shed Long, and we talk all this, and somebody's going to go, there's going to be like two or three people go, oh, that's really cool. But if you say, oh, yeah, Joey Votto and Ken Griffey Jr. are in there, right. you, you might draw a couple more people. <laughs> right. So right. That was a thought as well, um, that, that the likes of Ken Griffey Jr. and, um, and Joey Votto will, will hopefully earn a couple more listeners. Yeah, absolutely, and I thought it, um, I thought it was good. Now, how did you decide on uh, – because he's, he's actually a perfect uh, subject, as it turns out. But how did you decide on Shed Long as sort of the, 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 the central theme of the podcast as a player? <sighs> You know, it's it's funny. Again, he's the it was one of those happy accidents. He's the only guy I considered. Really? Um, yeah, I, I it was probably a recency bias. I had just talked to him. Um, maybe it was a caravan. I think it might have been the caravan. I just kind of talked to him, and we just kind of talked a little bit. And and I I'd had a lot of people say what a good guy he was. He was coming off a really good season. He was the Reds minor league hitter of the year. He was um, one of those guys that uh, that was kind of making this big step up. Like, you know, he wasn't a top 10 prospect um, before, or, you know, one of those top guys. He was a 12th round pick. Yeah, he'd uh, earn, he'd earn his catch. way to the top of these lists. And he had earned his way. And I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, to me, thinking somebody like that who kind of earned and performed and a lot of people I talked to thought that he would continue to perform. And so I, I wanted that as well. Uh, and also, you know, one of the stories I thought I thought of from, from the go was how much different it is for African-Americans in, in baseball. And that also helped. At the time, he was represented by Brian Goldberg, um, who was Ken Griffey Jr.'s agent, who's here in Cincinnati. Um, he has since switched agents but at the time that was kind of going for him as well because I, I just said to brian it's like hey you think shed would be interested in this and he's like yeah and, I was, and he said you know i'll help you out we'll do whatever and so then i went to shed and shed was like yeah no it sounds cool sounds like fun and um i, I mean in every way shape and form shed was the perfect guy um just because he's interesting he's smart um he, he's kind of introspective, um, and he was also available and willing to do it at all times, and and that's huge. You know, you can you can say, hey, uh, you got some minute, and like, oh no no no, Shed was always like, let's do it then, let's do it here. I mean, a perfect example. Um, we went down, both Sam Green, uh, our photographer videographer, at the end of the season, we went to see Shed and kind of wrap it up, and uh, went to his hometown. And said, hey, Shed, we're going to come. Is that cool? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I have an itinerary. 
and he built the itinerary. Like, we didn't say, we want to go do this. He said, I want to take you here, here, and here. So he's like, you know, come to my parents' house. We'll have breakfast. We'll go you know, meet my, my doctors, my pediatrician. He's the only doctor I've ever had. Go to where I grew up playing, you know, the fields that I grew up. We'll go to the barbershop that I've, I've grown up going to. We'll go to um, my high school. And he had it all planned out. And it made it really easy for us, and, and we just had a we had a we had a blast. Well, I, I think you hit the jackpot. All these other extraneous factors, you know, just were not really a highly rated prospect, and uh, who had worked his way up, and but man, just a really you could tell, just a thoughtful guy, uh, and, and that's the type of guy that can give you a little bit of insight into the experience. And so I just uh, really enjoyed getting to know Shed. Looking forward to seeing him in a. Because I guess he'll have to be placed on the forty man probably this off season, I believe, right? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, he will need to be placed on the forty man. So we'll see him soon, maybe. Uh, it's it is helpful and advantageous <laughs> <laughs> for uh, yeah. for him. Yeah, that, so it was great. Yeah, well, that'd be great. Uh, and anyway, again, you know, just I really enjoyed that uh, the podcast, and uh, and you need to go read the piece. Uh, about Shed Long at uh, Cincinnati.com because it's a uh, it's a long piece just following Shed Long and really interesting guy. So well, thank great, you, great work, great work. I really appreciate it. Um, th- that actually is well. First question uh, before I get to the other one is: Is there going to be a season two? I don't foresee that right now, <laughs> and most of that's just because I can't believe I got season one done. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a it was a heavy lift and. I got a lot of help from a lot of people, including Zach, uh, who would um, kind of help out covering uh, my duties right. as I worked on this and and uh, a lot of different things. Um, you know, my editor, Jason Hoffman, was fantastic about it. The people I worked with, Amy Wilson, who was the editor on, on the podcast, um, Amanda Rossman and Phil Didion, who did the um, – who did the in the um, production and they do accused as well. So, I mean, that's, it was a huge team effort. And I think after last week where I'm putting the finishing touches on it and I was bothering every single person in the newsroom, I don't think anybody here wants me to do it again. So, well, it's a self-contained uh, story. So it, uh, it's not really something that's necessarily, you know, right. A, a and I feel it's pretty evergreen, right. you know? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, um, but, but the reason I ask that is to lead into my next one, which is, um, you add this on to what you guys are doing uh, at the Inquirer, which uh, you know, it seems like this year. Um, and of course, I'm always happy to pay for my subscription, but uh, you, you and, and Zach have really gone above and beyond uh, to uh, sort of have a comprehensive uh, coverage of the Reds that uh, it seems to me like it's more coverage, better coverage than we've ever seen. Not to uh, criticize any previous coverage because it's always uh, been good, but... Uh, you guys have put a lot, a lot of hours in. Uh, it's clear, um, and you've done a great job. Well, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate hearing that, Chad. Because, you know, you can say a lot of things, but you can't say we don't work. Uh, right, and, and, and that's the number one thing. Is you know, Zach and I, we, we'll we'll do the work. It may not always be the prettiest or the best, but I think it is. Um, at least I think I think the work shines through. And I really, really appreciate you saying that because I hope that it does come through that, you know, there's from, you know, all season long. I don't think we ever 
take too much time off and and uh i don't think we ever get lazy on anything and that's my number one thing and and i'm really unbelievably lucky to have a partner like zach um we're partners uh we split the the travel 50 50 um to have the support that i do from my bosses from 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 chasing on up um we get a ton a ton of support we get the resources uh, we're allowed to do the best job that we can. And I think, you know, me doing something like Great American Dream and going to Pensacola and going to Billings, Montana. I went to Billings, Montana this year and going to Alabama for Shed. That takes money, you know, and and uh, commitment and um, a lot of trust from from the people above. And, and they've given that to me, and I can't be more grateful. Yeah, well, it's, it's it shows, and... Uh... And you guys are doing real work. How about we talk about the uh, the Reds now, the Cincinnati sure. Reds? Have, have you spent any time talking about the Reds over the last few months? Uh, once or twice. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You know, we've talked about this rebuild or you know reboot or whatever they uh, want to call it. But um, you know, and, and you guys talked to Dick Williams recently. I had, I talked to him a while back, uh, and you sort of get the sense that at some point they're turning the corner, and it's going to be about. Um, not as much rebuilding, but about really starting to put the finishing touches on it. And how close are we to that point where the Reds are, are turning the corner and really being competitive is a legitimate uh, option, le- legitimate hope? You know, I'm always hesitant to do that, and I'm less optimistic than some, especially some <laughs> who get their paychecks from uh, signed by Bob Castellini. Right. Um, you know, but – there's there's almost two parts to that. Like if you're talking to me, I'm thinking, well, maybe 19 best case scenario, but there's so many of these teams that have turned the corner so much more quickly than we expected to them, uh, them to like, you know, you look at the Astros two years ago, they flipped the twins this year, the brewers Brewers, this year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even the Cubs to an extent, I think they're kind of more that traditional, like they saw it on the wall and they signed Lester and then boom, went for it and went for it. This isn't a team that's a John Lester away. Not that they would sign a John Lester, but you know, I don't think they're one or two signings away. Um, I think there's some positive steps and so much of it is on the pitching. Um, and but you've seen some positive steps, you know. You see Sal Romano, or I mean, uh, Sal Romano's taking some steps. I was seeing Luis Castillo. Oh yes, like you know, he went from, um, and I will say when that, I mean, he heck a year ago he was a Marlin, right? Um, you know, and when Thank that trade was made, yeah, when I when that trade was made, I had. Um, I said, you know, I was like, I had some scouts going, oh my god. They just crushed the Marlins. Yeah. They're like, this is, I think I remember the tweet. Like, I just had one scout who said he would take Luis Castillo over everybody they got for Roldis Chapman. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, I think we all agree yeah. that. I, absolutely, I mean, in retrospect, yeah. But that was that day. He just goes, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and, you know, you also got a, a, a an Austin Bryce, a bullpen sure. piece. Yeah. Um, and then, a, and then a lottery ticket. And, um, Elijah White. So, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, you see that you see Tyler Malley. And, and as I do, um, as I do these, I'm kind of knee deep and talking to scouts and, and in types for the, the baseball America list. 
there are a lot of people who really like Tyler Malley. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I think, I don't think you see him as a future one, but I had a scout, and this is from a guy in another organization, saying, you know, yeah, I see a three ceiling, but a four floor. There you go. I mean, if you could have five guys who are three ceilings, four floor. Yeah, you're fine. You're give, great. Give, give me Mike Leak. You know, I mean, if that's if, yeah. that's if that's his ceiling, I'm fine with that. That's a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you think you got okay, well, you've got Mally and Castillo. Um, you have those three veterans that we don't know what we're going to get. In, even, of course, I say veteran with uh, Brandon Finnegan, but he's younger than a lot of people. Yeah. You know, um, I think Finnegan. Where is it? I was looking at this. Finnegan, I know he's just about the exact same age as Robert Stevenson, I think. Yeah, I think he's a little younger. It's like actually. a couple days. Yeah. I think it might be days. Maybe. Um that they're that they're separated. Um, you know, he's younger than Amir Garrett. Um <laughs> that's you know, that's um that's something. That's really something. That he's younger than Amir Garrett. Uh, same age as Ricky Davis, younger than Kevin Shackelford and Austin Bryce, um, younger than Amir Garrett, same age as as Stevenson, same age, younger than Lorenzen and Wandy Peralta. Um, and has established himself as a major league pitcher. I mean, we, we, we can talk about health. We can talk about whether he's a starter or a reliever, but this is a, I mean, this is a legit talent. Right. And, and they have a lot of guys who are legit talents and, are, do they have five guys that you count on for rotation long-term? I don't know, but once you start saying, oh, well, this guy's a reliever, this guy's a reliever, this guy's a reliever, you've got a lot of guys who are relievers, and that's kind of where the game's going. Yeah. Don't you uh, – what yeah. about yeah, – we talk about – got numbers here, and if they're not all going to be healthy, as we saw this year, and they may not all <laughs> pro- progress. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If any of them are healthy, we should probably be happy. Yeah. But – uh, I look at it and I think, well, you know, and I'm constantly wanting to sort of squint and find out ways that the Reds can be competitive. But, and, and you know, the Reds are not going to go out and get a John Lester type. But if you got it, went out and got a number one guy, this rotation, you know, you don't have to squint too hard to see it being a pretty good rotation if people continue to progress and the Reds just have, you know, sort of average health out of the. Because yeah. there's a lot of names in there that could pan out. Yeah, I mean, but of course, finding a number one guy and then convincing oh, him to come to Cincinnati and then paying him. Done. Yeah. yeah, but if you did have it, you had, a, a, you know, a Castillo, a uh, Finnegan or DiScalfani or Homer and then uh, Mally and then or maybe a, a Sal Romano who, you know, once he started throwing that, that change, he looked yeah. more like a starter. Um, you know, if you have a couple of those guys, Robert Stevenson, um, if he gets a little bit more, um, and, and I know people, I know the, the common fan doesn't like, doesn't believe in this, but I have a lot of people who still really, really believe in Cody Reed just because the stuff is phenomenal. And he's also 24. I, I certainly am still a believer and I, I was really sort of baffled by the fact that he only got one start in the big leagues this year. And I know he had his... He had the problems with control, um, really for the first time in his career. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not ready to give up on that guy. I mean, what? It's an insane talent, and hopefully he can harness it. That's another guy. I agree. Uh, you think he's you think he's going to be a starter going forward, or if they started to make yeah. that decision? I think there's, especially being a left hander, 
and what he can do. I think everybody wants him to be, he's going to get every opportunity to be a starter. And that's kind of been this team's MO is you're a starter until you prove to us that you cannot be a starter. How, how good can Robert Stevenson be? Cause when that guy's throwing strikes, I, I'm not sure I see anyone, even Castillo maybe that has as good a stuff as, as he has when, he, when he's throwing strikes, which is <laughs> rarely, but. And that's the thing. I mean, you saw a little bit at the end of the year, you give enough to dream on and to be like, Hey, maybe, maybe. And, and I've had, I talked to scouts a bit and I had one guy, I remember just texting me out of the blue, just saying, this is the most maddening prospect I've ever seen. Cause he either looks great or terrible and you never know who you're going to get. And, you know, I, I think there's something of the modern day way that we follow baseball in that because we've been hearing Robert Stevenson was uh, baseball America's top mm-hmm. prospect for the Reds for like what, three, four years in a row. Yeah. And we just keep hearing about it, but also he's 24. He's a kid. He's 24. And um, there's a world of potential there. I think it would be, I don't see the Reds giving up on him and I don't see them just saying he's a bullpen guy. I can, I could see him be a bullpen guy in the future, but I'm not going to write him off yet. And I don't think anybody in the organization is ready to write him off. So, I mean, like you said, there's so many things that you can squint to. And I think that was a perfect way to put it, Chad, is you can squint and see so many things. But at this point, you really would rather be hit over the head like you are by Luis Castillo. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more thing about Stevenson. That's why he's going to get every every opportunity is because we talked about uh, Tyler Malley. You know, maybe a number three is his ceiling. Well, Stevenson's ceiling is number one, I, I think. Right. Uh, is but he his floor, there? yeah, his floor is who knows, average reliever maybe, or uh, even worse. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, how much fun was it? I, I know how much fun it was for me, uh, but how much fun was it to cover a Eugenio Suarez? He just seems like that he loves being around uh, the game, and just uh, nobody has improved more the last couple of years. Uh, it's a guy. I'm talking. I'm thinking that we need a long term contract in, in his future soon. You know, Suarez is a guy that is very, he understands where he is and how lucky he is to be where he is, but he's also performed and put in the work. And to see that guy go from just a butcher at third base to a, I always say that there should be a silver glove in the National League for third base, to like a silver glove (laughs) candidate at third base in the National League has been pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's just it's it's just it's you know again I don't see him before uh, before games and uh, off times, but uh, just work work work, and he turned himself into uh, legitimately. I mean, if we if it weren't for Arenado, we're talking about an elite defensive player, and then of course the bat this year in his age twenty five season. Um, yeah, he's a guy who's still young too. I yeah. mean, and that's the other thing. Um, I did a story late in the year um, where I ran into Jim Leland in uh, the press that. dining room in, yeah, in Pittsburgh. And as soon as the Reds made that deal, he started, he like walked out of the, walked out of the room cussing and was so mad at Walt Jockety that they took Eugenio Suarez from the Tigers because he believed in this guy that much. I, I believe it. I mean, uh, of course he's, uh, 
that's a that's sort of an expert opinion, um, and we're now seeing that. But what a just we talk about getting uh, Luis Castillo for Dan Straley, but there've been a few of those lately. And, and Suarez, that trade is uh, another one that you put right up there with as good a, a trade as any of the Reds have uh, made in the last twenty years. Well, Suarez, that was the same day that they traded Matt Latos for uh, Anthony Discofani. Yeah. And if you look on my Twitter, I talked to a guy that day. I tweeted out. I talked to one scout who said uh, he would have taken Straley. Or not Straley. I'm sorry. Um, he would have taken Discofani for Latos straight up, yeah. not even including the money. I just remembered that at last. Wow. Yeah, so uh, those are the types of uh, wins you have to have, uh, I guess, as a rebuilding team to, to advance that rebuild. Another win. Of course, then you have the Chapman deal on the other hand. Right. Now, come on. Let's, uh, I told you I'm trying to squint and be positive here and optimistic. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but yet, I think they've won a lot more than they've lost on those trades. I think so, too. And uh, and you have, to, you have to sort of do that, I think, to advance the rebuild. And, and another transaction – you know, Dan Straley was picked up off the scrap heap and flipped for Luis Castillo and, and loved the, the year that Straley had for the Reds, but great deal. Scooter Jeanette, the Reds pick him up off the waiver wire and, uh, you know, puts in, of course, the, the legendary things, the four home runs and all that, but um, a really good year for, for, for Scooter Jeanette. And they, they got him basically for, I mean, they paid him uh, well this year, but they got him for free, basically. Yeah, and uh, that's one of those things that, yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. It's like you say, oh, they won these and they lost this. Every organization loses once. You know, yeah. the the Brewers were just had the they're the feel good story of the season, and they're the team that lost. Um, you know, that that gave up Scooter Jeanette and then had to trade for a second baseman. And I think they, you know, they're a well run organization. I think everyone agrees at this yeah. point. So, um. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Where do, where's Jesse Winker next year? I mean, I think he's going to be in the big leagues, but is he going to uh, – do you think the Reds really will follow through and, and let him hit leadoff? I know that Dick Williams uh, hinted towards that uh, when he talked with you and Zach, but what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, they've talked about having a four-man rotation in the outfield, and I don't know that that works. Um, but, I mean, we've seen crazier things. I, I just don't know, and I, I think there has to be, you know, in my ideal lineup, maybe he bats leadoff and Billy Hamilton bats ninth. Um, probably my ideal um, um, lineup has that. Um, so, uh, you know, what happens, I don't know. But I think it's at least a consideration, and I don't think it's, like, not out of the realm of possibility. Well, the idea of uh, Winker and uh, you know Suarez, for example, or maybe Senzel sometime down the road, uh, hitting in front of Joey Votto is just its almost too much to dream about, uh, given some of the yeah. leadoff hitters we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I probably have Joey Votto second, just, you know. Yeah. But, but I don't know that you have, uh, you know, maybe you have a Winker, Votto, Suarez, or if you want to keep the lefty, righty, lefty, you have Winker, Suarez, Votto. I mean... That's 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 pretty respectable. It's going to score some runs. Um, you hope. You would, you would hope. Uh, Billy Hamilton just we mentioned him briefly there. I was uh, hopeful after his the the way he finished up the second half of 2016 that he may you know he may progress. He was a, he had a league average on base percentage that year when you when you look up at the end mm-hmm. of the year. And so I was hopeful. Well, if he can be get a league you know hit uh, or get on base at a league average clip, this is a guy that you, know, you could maybe sort of put him at the top of the line because of the the other things he brings the the speed. 
um, and he could be a valuable player. And, of course, he sort of re- returned to the Billy Hamilton we'd seen for most of his career last year. Billy probably is what he is this time. I, I love watching him play, elite defender, uh, elite base runner. Uh, he can help the team if he's sitting lower in the lineup, I believe. But what you know, long term, the Reds are going to be having, having to make a decision about him soon because he's about to get expensive here in the next couple of years. Well, I mean, heck, he's second year arb, so he only has, you know, he's a free agent after the uh, this is seventeen, so nineteen season, right? Um, yeah, I'd, you know, and one of the things with Billy that that always I think about is that. If you were thinking about someone with the skill set of Billy Hamilton, and I love the skill set of Billy Hamilton, but there is probably, if you rank the home fields for this guy, where he is best, he is playing in the absolute worst spot for himself. Yeah, put him in San Diego or or Seattle or somewhere. I, I say this all the time, and I've probably broken a record, and I've probably said this to you, but... Can you imagine him? He's an all-star in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Because people forget that, you know, everybody talks about Great American being a, a small park, and it is. It absolutely is. And they talk about the offense. Well, the only offense it helps is the home run. Mm-hmm. It suppresses singles, doubles, and triples. So it is. it suppresses what Billy Hamilton could do. And you put him in Coors Field where there's more, where outfielders have to play further apart, that more of those balls drop in. And then he can also play in center field and take those away. I, you know, it's just one of those, like, every year we go to Colorado, I'm just like, man, how good would this guy be here? And, and even more valuable than in, in past years because... The new sort of emphasis on elevating the ball, you know, a guy that can right. go chase down all of them. I mean, that's a that's a guy that, even if he hits like Billy Hamilton, can be can provide real value. Yeah, especially in a place like that. Um, whereas in Great American, so many of those will just go out of the park. Well, the Reds could trade him for Bla- Charlie Blackman straight up, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe no, maybe not. I can't even I can't squint that hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 2018, you think they're probably a year away still. Um, what, but what do you mean by a year? I mean, you said 2019. Is that when they first maybe are a wild card contender or when yeah. that's their first? Yeah. I don't consider 500. I mean, to me, 500 is – there's no benefit to being 500 other than maybe it, maybe getting fans a little bit off your back. But like a competitive balance or competitive advantage, I don't see any competitive advantage to being 500. Right. Uh, well, either good. be bad or be good. Yeah, it's kind of like you know uh, you can't compare uh, the MLB with the NBA much, but you know the team that makes the even the number eight seed in the playoffs. What are you doing? I mean, you know you're not you're not really. That's what happened for the the 76ers for a long time. You're making the number eight seed and you're getting a you know mediocre draft pick and you're not advancing at all. So at some point. Uh, just right. sort of being in the middle is really you're not helping in any way other than again fans don't like the 90 loss seasons um uh, I, I think that again i I'm, I'm i try to be optimistic and i'm a, i'm a fan i'm not a uh, an observer like you and uh i want to believe that things can go right and they can be uh you know if you're a 500 team then it's not that big a bump to get up to a wild card you know you have to win a few no. extra games so i don't know it, but uh Starting in no, two thousand, right. 
But do you think that the, the and this is a really impossible question to ask, but do you think that the Reds have a chance that if they are competitive starting in 2019, that they're going to have a little bit of a window where they can be a, that they've built it the way that it can be not necessarily long-term, but, you know, not just a, a quick, uh, quick window. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just don't know, honestly, like I, I, there's just not enough information for me there because you're talking then a 36, 37 year old Joey Votto. Is he still your best player? Is it still, you know, there's just so many, it, it depends on what is developed to get to, to that point at, at that point in time. So I know that's kind of sounds like I'm hedging my bets, but I just, I, I don't have enough information to, to really guess on that. Yeah. Well, that's it's, it's, an, it's an unfair question at this point, but um, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's all I do is speculate. So, uh, uh, what, the last last guy I want to talk about is is Vado. Uh, did, did you sense? We've talked about it a little bit on our podcast. We sensed sort of this year there's been a, a little bit of a change in the narrative around Vado. You know, everybody always yes. talks about how people have criticized them in Cincinnati and and the sources of that or whatever. But it really seemed like it was sort of universal praise for the first time ever, and people are starting to really realize that we, this guy is special. Did did you notice that? Oh, yeah, it's funny. I think I, I said something near the end of the year where somebody said, well, I wish they'd appreciate it. And it's like, you know what? I've heard more hating on the Votto haters than Votto hate this year. Yeah. Does that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like doublespeak. But, um, it's true. But it's true. I've heard more people complaining about those who complain about Joey Votto than anybody complaining about Joey Votto. And not that there hasn't been criticism of Votto in the past, but it's really you – don't, you don't hear that. I mean, it's, it's universal praise, and why not? I mean, at, at his age – and uh, what he was able to do this year is just uh, – I'm still not sure that Reds fans understand what they're able to watch every day and really sort of cherish every at-bat as much as they could because this is a craftsman uh, among the best in, in Major League history, and he's wearing a Reds uniform for his entire career. It's just it's, it's so much fun to watch. I, I 100% agree. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. Um, and – I've been saying that for a couple of years. People are like, oh, how do you cover such a bad team? I'm like, well, you know, I get to watch Joey Votto hit every day. I get to watch Billy Hamilton play the outfield every day. Um, at that time, I would say I get to see Aroldis Chapman possibly throw, come yeah. in almost every day. I see things that nobody else gets to see on a daily basis, and that's pretty cool. I like baseball. I like the process. I like all these different things. Um yeah, so it's fun. They've not always been good, but they've always had uh, interesting storylines. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, is Votto going to make the Hall of Fame? I think so. I think yeah. this year, you know, I think coming into this year, there was a question. It's like, oh, does he? Yeah. I think this year solidifies it. As long as he doesn't just take a, um, like a Dale Murphy dive. Right. I'd be surprised, he, though. I would be, too. I would be, too, and that's the thing. I mean, that was part of, you know, I talked to, I remember when talking, when they signed the deal, and I asked Walt Jockey, my question was, do you feel like you've saddled your successor with this? And he said, eh, maybe, and he will have to deal with it, and he will have to deal with the decline. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Walt Jockety and the and the the management thought, oh, he's never going to decline. Right. He's going to retire forty, the same guy he is as an MVP at twenty eight. They knew that was happening, 
But he also said, this is the kind of guy that you bet on. Yeah. Um, because of the way he prepares and the way, and, you know, someone told me, and this was a front office guy and it was really smart. One of the really, really smart guy. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think people understand how many smart people work there. I mean, there are some brilliant, brilliant people. And somebody said, you know, Joey's kind of got old man skills. It's true. He plays first base, his eye, he walks, he can hit with some power when he needs it. He's got old man skills. You're, it's not like Billy Hamilton. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, yes, you know you're going to be overpaying at the end of the year, end of the contract, but those are the things you bank on. Yeah. And as it's as it's turning out, uh, a very good bet on uh, on Votto. Do you see in the clubhouse? Because I saw some quotes from uh, Suarez and from Cozart near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That may, and I've seen him every once in a while. You see him. You get the sense that Votto is sort of infecting some others in the clubhouse with his approach. Uh, I think it's hard to watch him every day and not think, "What does he do that I don't do?" If you're serious about your craft and improving at your craft, here you've got. A perfect example, right? And, you, know, and you say, you. oh, listen, here's a guy who can do a little bit of everything, who doesn't swing at bad pitches. When I don't swing at everything, I'm going to get better. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think it's and like, oh, you know, choke up. And you saw like Suarez choke up. I, I know there was one, uh, did he have like a walk-off homer? Mm-hmm. And you look at the thing and he's choked up. Yeah. And that was because these guys have seen Joey Votto do it and say, well, Joey Votto can do it. Okay. You know, maybe there is something to it. It's not macho, and he still has this power. And a lot of that's because Joey Votto is an incredibly strong human being. Yeah. Uh, because he works on it. But also, he's he shows that you can still hit for power that way. And he's, um, yeah, like you said, if you're serious about your craft, and I tend to believe that most of these guys are. Sure. Because the minor leagues, this, to circle it back, the minor league system will usually weed out those who aren't. Yeah. And that's why, I, that's why I don't buy into, I'm not a huge believer on, oh, well, look at what he's doing with runners in scoring position. He can't handle the pressure. No, if he couldn't handle the pressure, he wouldn't have made the big leagues. Yeah, these are the best of the best. These are the best of the best, and it's not that they're playing, you know, Vanderbilt every week or Virginia football. Um, oh no! <laughs> sorry oh. about that. But your your new AD is phenomenal, by the way. Well, that's oh, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, from Georgia. Yes, um, I know people who've worked in that department who uh, think the world of her, and um, yeah. Carla Williams is is really one kind of impressive person. That's exactly what I've heard from everybody at, uh, at Virginia. They're really excited to have. They her. should be, and like everybody I've, I know in Georgia, thinks the world of her. Well, I'm um, glad she, I'm glad she got I away wish, from Georgia and went to a real school. I wish she was Georgia's AD. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, but anyway, yeah. Sorry, just <laughs> I don't remember where I was, but yeah, you know, it's not that so many others, and this goes back to the the, the Great American Dream thing. Yeah. They have to work. You have to fail. You have to overcome failure. You earn your place in the big leagues, and that's just the way it is. And, and, and 
that, that goes right along with the you know complaints you hear about somebody not hitting in a scoring position. As if, you know, first of all, baseball's hard. These people that made it, most of them are great natural players, but there's not one of them that can get there just on natural ability. I mean, these guys have to work and work and work, and I'm not sure that, I think that gets lost in translation sometimes, how hard you have to work to be that good at whatever you do. I always say it, you know, the the, the people, the worst major league player is better at his job than you will ever be at yours. And I feel like I'm pretty good at my job, but I feel like the worst right. major league player is better than me. I tried to make that point on Twitter uh, at the end of the year. I said something about how uh, you know Billy Hamilton, one of the greatest baseball players in the universe. Yeah. Uh, and he is. I mean, you can argue about what he does and what he doesn't do, and a lot of people don't like the way he swings the bat, but come on, uh, you know. Um, so anyway, last thing I wanted to address with you. Uh, now that Bronson Arroyo is gone, who, oh. who is the, the you best interview? You want to talk about going straight to the heart. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Who's the best interview in that clubhouse now? Well, and, you know, well, Joey can always rise to the occasion. Yeah. And it depends on whether he wants to or not. And a lot of times, and with, I will always say this about Joey, a lot of times his answer is going to be as good as your question. So I have to rise to the equation. I mean, Joey is, Joey is a really, really intelligent individual. Um, Bronson is, Bronson's the all-timer. And I think you can talk to anybody who's covered Bronson anywhere, and they will say Bronson Arroyo is their all-time best. Uh, because part of it is Bronson's fearless, and he will say anything, and he's honest. Yeah. And that's a pretty interesting combination. Um, whereas Joey is guarded, and he never wants to give away information. Bronson, no. Nope. I mean, he's good. He, he, he will do it. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to Say we were talking about the um, the the runners in scoring position thing, and I was yeah. looking it up here because it just drives me nuts. And you know, so many people will tell you the greatest um, you know red ever. Oh, you know who who who, who do you always hear is so good? That's the kind of the um, the paragon of this. Are you talking about Pete? No, I don't. Oh, uh, Tony Tony Perez. Tony Perez. Yeah, Tony Perez is a career 279 341 463 hitter so an 804 ops well you know what he is with runners in scoring position he is a career 284 364 470 for a a 834 ops Mm. he did about the same thing with runners in scoring position as he did because that's what he does that's the player that he is He, he was a good hitter you know, he was he, a very, he was a great hitter, yeah, and he hit, and in he every, hit with everything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I agree one hundred percent. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. Always happy to talk about. It. I was afraid we were going to be talking about Pete, and I got a little upset there for a moment. But uh, Tony uh, Perez, I, we're always happy to talk about. <laughs> I'll avoid that as much as humanly yes, possible. Yes, I do too. I do too. There's no winning in that conversation. Um, nope. Well, are you going to be able to take a little bit of a break soon? Uh, you guys have been going hard for so. for a while. I hope so. Um, we're actually, I'm hanging up on this call and going to a meeting uh, to look at our coverage for starting now, going forward, and review last year. All right. Well, uh, you, you guys, uh, as I said, did a wonderful job, and uh, keep up the great work, man. Really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Dude, anytime. Thank you so much, Chad. I really appreciate it. And you keep up the good work as well. You guys over um, over there, too. It's just, I, I mean, I read you guys all the time. I appreciate um, that. Because I think you guys do a phenomenal job. And um, it's it's it, you, on my tweet deck, you guys have 
a, uh, a column. So I'm always on the lookout. Well, I'm ready to retire. I've uh, hit the big time. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Good talking to you, Tritt. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.